Will you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's scripture is from the first Timothy, chapter six, verses 18 and 19. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm making a little departure today. You're going to get Walter Brueggemann a little bit later. And I'm going to share with you a poem from Mary Oliver entitled Stones. The white stones were mountains when they were tra then they went traveling. The pink stones were also part of a mountain before the glacier's tongue gathered them up. Now they lie resting under the waves. The green stones are lovelier than the blue stones, I thought for a little while, and then I changed my mind. Stones born of the sediments tell what ooze floated down the outwash once. Stones born of the fire have red stars inside their bodies and seams of white quartz. I also admire the heft and the circularities as they lie without wrists or ankles just under the water. I also imagine how they lie quietly all night under the moon and whatever passes overhead, say the floating lily of the night heron. It's also apparent how they lie relaxed under the sun's golden ladders. Each one is a slow wheeler. Each one is a tiny church locked up tight. Each one is perfect, but none of them is ready quite yet to come to the garden to raise corn or the bulb of the iris. If I lived inland, I would want to take one or two home with me just to look look at it in that long life of dust and grass, but hope I wouldn't. I hope I wouldn't even take one like a seed from the sunflower's face, like an ant's white egg from the warm nursery under the hill. I hope I would leave them in the perfect balance of things, in the clear body of the sea. In my heart, I am really a Celtic person. I'm very, very Welsh. Most people don't know that because Sauter isn't really a Welsh name, it's more German. But I'm very Celtic. I have Welsh heritage from both sides of my family. And I really like the Celts. If you go through rural Wales, every so often you will see a cairn by the side of the road. And it's a pile of stones. If you go through rural Palestine, you see cairns every so often, a pile of stones that are very intentionally built up. It's not just like somebody happened to shovel them there. They're very intentional that they start with bigger ones and they get smaller. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, 
there are lots of places where you have an experience of God and you build an altar. Now, wasn't quite like this. They didn't have this kind of an altar. Very often the altars that were built in biblical times were a pile of stones. And you would see them and know that something happened in that place. Now I have a very close friend who used to be my district superintendent, so you still can be friends with district superintendents, just saying. But Dick Barton had quite a period of time that he did a lot of history digging around. And he said that when Noah built his altar after his experience with God, he said it just wasn't just a building thing. There was a celebration that went along with it. They had to have a party to celebrate that God had been there. But then you look at the other times throughout Scripture where you have times Moses built an altar, Isaac built an altar. You have altars everywhere, altars all over the Old Testament. How come we don't have altars in the New Testament? Somebody needs to tell me. Why don't they, why did they stop building altars when Jesus shows up on the scene? Jesus brought something else. But I think what we have done is we have decided that church needs to be very somber. There's no laughing in church. It's not allowed very serious and I don't want to hear any coughing sneezing snoring I don't want that because this is a sacred time and a sacred place no celebrations can take place in here one of the things that I enjoy about this church is you're not afraid to clap about things but I have been in churches where when an infant is baptized, they don't even like to clap when the baby's being carried around to be introduced to the congregation. First time that happened, I said, hmm, something is wrong here. And so I did one of these. You need to be happy. <laughs> and if you're not going to be happy, I'm going to come up and slap you until you smile. You know, I mean, really and truly, we are so afraid of showing what we really feel in this place. And we put this altar here so far away that you don't even know what's going on up here. And that... What? I didn't even know there were ghosts here. Now I've got something else to look forward to. Seriously, when we put an altar way up here, we forget that we need to be building altars everywhere. Altars need to be built every time we celebrate something wonderful happening in our lives. 
every time we have a personal encounter with God, we should be sharing that in this space as well as every place outside. Something good happens, share it. Something bad happens, come to this place to share it to get support. But when you have an encounter with the holy, don't keep it secret. I don't understand why we think that everything that happens in our life, lives that has to do with the personal encounter with the holy has to be private. I learned from a spiritual director, I can't remember which one, that our faithfulness is personal. It is not private. And I thought that was a great awakening for me to know that something can be personal and not private. You don't have to totally bear your soul. But when you have an encounter with God, how do you keep it quiet? How do you lock that up in a private place inside of you and say, ooh, it's mine, I'm going to keep it? How do you do that? Every time I've had an encounter with God, first of all, I cry. I cry a lot when God messes with my head or my heart. But I can't keep it to myself. I have to share it. You've heard a lot of the times that I have had this personal encounter with God because it's so important to share it because I know that God is real. I know that Jesus is active in this place. Not up here. I've never even seen anybody pray up here. But I see lots of praying going on in this congregation. I feel lots of praying going on in this congregation. We are at a point in our lives where we need to stop thinking that there's nothing worth, worth celebrating. We need to be building little altars every place. We need to be able to say, this is where God spoke to me. This is where God touched my heart. This is where God brought me to a deeper understanding of what it means to be faithful. This is where God got me out of a tough spot. We need to be sharing those experiences it isn't good enough to say, I came to church on Sunday. God in your life happens all the time. God in your life is everyday experience, not a Sunday experience exclusively. But this should be the place that you can come and tell about it. This should be the place where you come and share the joy of what you have felt God doing in your life. This week has been an interesting week for me. I've had some ups and downs and then a couple more downs and a couple more ups and it's been a kind of, kind of a dizzying roller coaster. 
But there have been some spectacular moments of feeling the presence of God. I was privileged to be able to go to, oh, now I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it, Garden, Garden, the Path of Life Garden, which is someplace in Vermont. Windsor, okay. (laughs) And it was a little bit, um, let's say it's not what I expected, but it was wonderful. You walk through a tunnel that echoes, and on your way in, as you're walking through this tunnel, it's supposed to be representative of the birth canal. Now, I do not remember if the birth canal echoed. I just don't remember, sorry. But then you went through this path of life, all the experiences of life, family, relationships, community, sorrow, death, it was fabulous. We walked a labyrinth, which I haven't done in a long time. I'm a big labyrinth person, so I haven't walked a labyrinth in a long time. And when you get to the center of the labyrinth, you're supposed to pray, meditate, look at your feet, whatever you, you know, just something. And the wind was blowing. And as we walked the labyrinth, a train went by, probably not as far away as the back of the sanctuary from where we were, or it seemed like it was that close. I thought it was going to come right straight through the middle of the labyrinth. And afterwards... Jane mentioned that the train was symbolic of moving on, moving through, as we were doing this moving through life. It was a very holy experience, a beautiful, holy experience. And I felt like in that place, outdoors, gorgeous day, that they, whoever they are, I don't know who did this, it was just a family that put this together, it's pretty cool, they built altars all over the place there. It was one altar after another. I took a lot of pictures. But it was a spectacular experience and a gift to be able to share that. We need to be celebrating these places, these people, the things that are so good in our lives. We need to get over holding them at arm's length. We had our church conference yesterday, and when I was speaking to Taesung earlier, before the conference started, he said something about, 
I love the way you keep telling people that you don't even want to hear the word, I can't. The words, I can't. Or we can't. So I'm abolishing those from this church. I'm deciding that we can't, we can't doesn't belong here. And I've heard we can't because we don't have the money. We can't because we don't have the people. We can't because we don't have the time. We can't because we're old. I'm not the only one that has said it. And I will say repeatedly, I am old. And I often say I'm old and decrepit, but there's a story behind that. Should I share it? Okay. All right, my, I was visiting my grandchildren. At that time, my grandson was like maybe eight, and my granddaughter was five. And my son walks in, and he says, how are you? And I said, I'm old and decrepit. Well, the kids picked up on that word decrepit in a heartbeat. And the whole weekend, every, the, everybody we would see, they'd say, my grandma's old and decrepit. My grandma's old and decrepit. I was leaving, and Parker said, Grandma, what does decrepit mean? <laughs> and so we had to explain what decrepit meant, that, you know, old things are falling apart, you know, things aren't the way they used to be. But I've never said I can't do something because I'm too old. I tried when I was talking to Suda about coming here. I tried. Didn't work. I may be old chronologically. Some days I feel older than other days, but some days I, I do recognize. Something is very wrong here. But I recognize that I am closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning. It's just a fact. But I can do virtually anything as long as God is right alongside me. If I decide I'm going to do it on my own, chances are I will fail. But I can do whatever God empowers me to do. So the same is true of this church, that you can do whatever God empowers you to do. Can you do it without God? Probably not. But why would you want to? So I say, let's take a look at this altar and see about maybe putting some altars other places. Let's think about the altars that are in our hearts and how can we share those altars throughout this space. We have a pretty fantastic bulletin board that Terry put together this past week that's really, really cool. I tell you, you need to look at it. It's right outside the door. Look that way. Every single one of the things on that bulletin board is an altar. An altar to where God touched the children in this place. Let's not forget 
that God is present, working in us and through us. Let's not give up and say we can't. Because with God, we can. Amen.